The Beer EDU Podcast, Episode 88, International Teaching with Ryan Sagar. Welcome to the Beer EDU Podcast, the podcast for educators that love to learn and share ideas with fellow educators over beers, with your hosts, Kyle Anderson and Ben Dixon. Kyle, my friend, how are you? I am doing all right, Ben. How are you? I am great. Hey, this is episode 08. What number? 88. 88. Okay, yes. I was off. We are on 88 now. Yes. So this is 088 of the Beer EDU podcast, and I am Ben Dixon. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BDixonNVU, my friend. Kyle Anderson. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at AndersonEdTech, and then AndersonEdTech.net is my blog. Gotten a little lazy on that thing again because, well, life. COVID, you know, insert, 2020, man. <laughs> insert that into the uh, the fray right there. I am also the author of To the Edge, Successes and Failures Through Risk-Taking. You can learn more about that at toetheedu.com. And it is also available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and through my publisher, EduMatch Publishing. And because this is the Beer EDU podcast, we like to drink a beer while we are talking. Yes. So, Ben, you've got something that I, oh. I need this in my life. So if you are watching on YouTube, you can see this amazing can, Pliny for President, Russian River Brewing, uh, Brewers of Pliny the Elder. I will I will say my all-time favorite, favorite beer of all time. So they do this beer every four years. It is a double dry hopped uh, version of Pliny the Elder, 8% ABV, 100 IBUs. So it's it's up there. And uh, it, it does not disappoint. There are literally only two beers on my ranking on um, Untapped that have I give fives. This would be the second one. The first one would be Pliny the Elder. So, I, I mean, what more can I say? It's, it's an amazing beer. Now, the original version of that is very piney and citrusy yes. and just beautiful. I, is the this version the it, same it, thing? Yeah, it is a little bit. I, it, I, I think it's a little smoother. I really do. It's a little more citrus, and they use they use different they use different varieties of hops, and they say one or two different. They don't tell you what. They just say one or two different. So the interesting thing about this is they do it every four years. This is the fourth time they've done it. So they've done over sixteen years. Um, and I would be super curious to talk to someone who has had multiple, you know last four years, four years ago, their version and compare them because I would imagine they're all different. Yeah. And it'd be tough to do a true comparison though, because yeah. with an IPA, the, the hops do fade yeah. over time. Right. So you can't age one of those and be like, Hey, no. let's go back and try this. So you would have had to have taken meticulous notes when you did right. it. So I'm going to suggest to you, make sure you take really good notes on this one. So four years from I, now you can I revisit. Can yeah. And it is, it is much like all great beers at Russian, you know, the Russian river brewing. Um, unfortunately you cannot go and buy like seven cases. You can't, I mean, very limited supply. Um, so I, but I will tell you over Thanksgiving, I am, um, my wife doesn't know this yet cause we're going to Napa, but it's really close to Russian river brewing. So we have to stop there. Oh no, that's just, um, California 37 over the one hundred and one. Yeah. Come on. It's not that far. So yeah. you, my friend, what do you got? I'm sticking with the Austin brothers. I'm still working on that. I brought home from Michigan when I was there 
uh, over in September. So I've got a, this time around, I got the Cherilizer double IPA, 8.1% ABV, 75 IBU. I thought I uh, was packing a punch today, but then uh, yeah. you came out uh, guns a blazing <laughs> with, uh, with the uh, Pliny there. But this is a, a unique beer. It's a double IPA with cherry, which okay. on the surface, wow. I mean, pretty straightforward. But what it is was that originally in the brew house, they would take the Paralyzer double IPA, which is another one of their beers. Haven't featured that one yet. Guess what's coming up on a future <laughs> episode. Um, they would mix half of a glass of Paralyzer and then half the, they would top off with the cherry bomb wheat oh. ale that I had a little while back. So you had okay. this like, it, I guess it was a way for people that wanted to drink the hoppier, higher right. octane beer, but they weren't a fan of the the hop so much. So they would cut it with the cherry oh, bomb. Okay. So, right. but it, I guess it was so popular in the brew house, they started canning it. So now you've got uh, the Cherilizer double IPA in the, uh, um, in the can here. And I, you know, I'm not a huge can art person, but this one's right. pretty cool. It's actually got on it. It looks like a World War II era plane. And it's dropping cherry bombs on nice. the can. And if you're on, uh, oh, that's cool. If you're on YouTube, yeah. so and it's got some really cool, like the lettering's really cool oh, on yeah, it classic. as well. So just yeah, nice. it's a real classic font. So no, it's a really good beer though. So this is actually my last can. I'm disappointed. So I may have to contact somebody back home and uh, maybe arrange some sort <laughs> of um, back room underground uh, beer shipment deal that you're yeah. not supposed to do. Your your brewery is a little more than three hours away from your house. So. Yes, yeah, that, I, yeah, I that am one's spoiled, not happening. I would. So <laughs> no, it's more like three days. So if you were to drive straight to my hometown, it's a little yeah. over twenty eight hours. Yeah, so it's, you got to break that up into about three days. So, <laughs> but now Ben, we have a guest with us yes. as well tonight. Um, a very special guest. Uh, yep. One of our, I, I I'm going to go as far as saying a new friend of ours. Um, yes, right. Ryan from School Rubric is joining us. Uh, Mr. Ryan Sagar, Ryan yes. with Sammy Hagar. Ryan, how are we doing tonight? I'm awesome. Thanks for having me, guys. You know, it's, it's great to be on the show. And of course, we spend a lot of time working with your artwork and promoting your podcast. So we're always excited to uh, get together with fellow educators. And, you know, I'm a lover of beer. So, uh, yeah, right great combination of the two, education and beer. I love it. So thanks for having me, guys. Really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. So um, what kind of beer are you featuring tonight? Well, you know, I'm going to I'm going to probably talk about three beers. You know, I'm, I'm from I'm, I'm from hop country. I grew up in Yakima, Washington. Oh, which yeah. Where, where a lot of the most amazing hops were grown. Yep. And uh, it's actually Grant's Brewery was started there in 1982. And that was what is considered the official first brewery after the prohibition, the first microbeer after the pro prohibition. Unfortunately, uh, after years and years of having great experiences with the brewery that they had some sort of ownership changes and whatever, mm -hmm. and it, it, it folded years later. Um, but you know, one of the beers I, I want to absolutely mention, which I'm not drinking right now because I'm not, not in that area is it's Bale Breakers Brewery, which is this beautiful brewery that sits right near the hop fields, um, obviously in that Yakima Valley where you just got, you know, tons of agriculture and, and now wineries and of course, uh, of course hops. So, you know, big shout out to Bale Breakers Brewing Company, which is, and it's just a beautiful barn, like, 
uh, brewery. And, you know, part of, part of me is the beer is one thing. And, and I think a part, a part of me that really loves beer is sort of the experiences that I have with the beer. And so it you know, just brings back a lot of my, my hometown memories, but, but here in Austin, that's where I'm located. I work here at the, uh, university of Texas, ATX, um, hook em horns. Hook em horns. There it is. <laughs> My, my full-time job is at the University of Texas, uh, still in education, coordinating distance learning. But there's a couple beers that I really like here. And uh, one of them is from Tupps Brewery, which actually isn't from Austin. It's actually from nearby. And, you know, it's these really popular. The hazy IPAs is, is something that I really enjoy. And it's right across from where I work. You know, I'm working remotely right now, but there's a, a really famous bar here in Austin. It's called The Hole in the Wall. And it's kind mm. of a right for a lot of bands, you know, Willie Nelson, a few others have played there. I mean, if you look at the wall of who's been there, it's just amazing lineups of people. And uh, people seem to always come there to play a little, you know, it's like you're, you're right up past. If you come to Austin, you're going to play one night at the hole in the wall. And it's just a dingy old bar and they have, they have Tup's uh, Hazy IPA on tap there. So that's, you know, wow. I've been waiting for traffic to... Uh, <laughs> not something to have to worry about these days, but when, you know, when I get off of work around five or six o'clock, oftentimes it's just worth it for me to have a beer until seven and then, and then go home after. And so I'd head over there. It was actually the same bar. If you had, Jimmy Fallon actually recently did an episode uh, here at the university of Texas and his opening sequence was at this dingy bar at the hole in wall. And then of course, another shout out to the Zilker brewery uh, has a bunch that they do a bunch of, uh, you know, I'm a big, I like IPAs and, and specifically the hazy IPAs. And what I like about that brewery is first of all, I lived right next to it when I first moved here uh, and, you know, cool little outdoor seating area. And then they always are kind of every month they, they have a different style of IPA or, you know, they're always changed. They, they're not seasonal. It's like a monthly, they've got a they experiment with something new and, uh, so just a really, really great brewery. So yeah, I, lo I love beer and, uh, Austin's a great place for beer and music. That's for sure. So a lot of great beer and a lot of great music. Yeah. Ever since I was a little kid, I've always wanted to go to Austin cause I grew up in a house where my mom, uh, listened to country music. So Sunday or Saturday nights, Austin city limits would city come limits. on PBS mm -hmm. and we would watch that. And, you know, as I got older, I, I still appreciate older country music, but like what they call country now to me, that's not country. That's just pop radio. But uh, but Austin City Limits is they still have so much eclectic music and just different stuff. It's just fun to listen to sometimes where you have the traditional country artists on there. But then you have like these um, almost like Jack White style, like alternative rockers and southern rockers and whatnot that are on there, too. And you know, I heard the music scene there is incredible. I've always wanted to go yep. there. And then, you know, now it's just um, just a win-win with the beer scene that's grown up in not just Austin, but I've heard places like San Antonio are incredible for beer now, too. Just Texas is really um, kind of blowing up on the beer map and everything. So it's uh, I, I'm living vicariously and enviously, if that's even a word, through you, Ryan, <laughs> uh, being able to experience that kind of music scene and uh, beer scene. Yeah, it's kind of slowed down a little bit, but that's kind of one of the amazing things here is, you know, it's, it's obviously it's, it's kind of got a little well known for a little bit of its country music, but it's, it's really kind of the heart and soul of it's kind of, it's kind of like this country rock and roll mix, right? You know, if you, there was a recent, um, 
documentary that was Ken Burns. I, I'm, a, I'm a big Ken Burns fan and he did, it's called the country music and it kind of goes through the timeline. And, and I had, I didn't know this be, before I saw this, uh, this uh, documentary, but um, you know, it was sort of the, the outlaws of Nashville, like the mm-hmm. Willie Nelsons, they came here to kind of get away from that sort of uh, cookie cutter country style where it's like, you got to dress up a certain way and you got to be a certain way. And so they kind of came out here to sort of, you know, still, you know, be involved with their music, but kind of do it their way and not the Nashville way. And, and I really think that's a lot, a lot of the character of, of Austin is it's, you know, it's, it's always respectful to people with different opinions. You know, we're, we're obviously a, a bread state surrounded by red all around uh, Austin. But, and, and there's a lot of people that are, are Republican here. And, and, but, you know, I, I really think people, it's a, it really feels kind of a, a more manageable city. And, you know, it's, I, I still, I think people are really kind of understanding of a different perspective. And obviously there's a big, big liberal and art yeah. and music scene but there's also a big republican uh you know conservative um you know bible belt scene here too and so it's it's a really cool mix of people and perspectives and and i think uh uh really sort of a respectful on on all sides um when it comes to you know people having a different opinion so it's and it's just there's so much going on obviously right now with everything going on in the it's it's not as busy as it normally is but you know i've got a little daughter and when one of the fun things about moving here was just all the family things going on Mm -hmm. uh you know live music for kids and then of course they're they're catering to you know parents like myself so there's beer and uh, all sorts of activities for the adults to get into so a really really fun city I, i was you know i'd never been here before i moved here i took the job um I was in uh, Lisbon, Portugal before here and, and uh, kind of, you know, this was a job that I really wanted and got. And uh, so, yeah, I came out here after, you know, teaching a number of years in, in the K through 12 system. And, and here I am ATX baby. Uh, <laughs> well, there is a saying, keep Austin weird. So I'm just saying it's it, that, that is, that is the place, but that kind of leads into your, your, your comment there about where you were in Lisbon, like, like, you you've done some other stuff like tell us about your your in, international teaching experience i guess is what we would call that yeah so i mean I, it's it's really kind of the the mission of uh my project with school rubric you know okay. uh, school rubric is um really about uh connecting educators and and specifically kind of that um it was co-founded with me myself and another international educator who's now back in the states uh wallace ting and and mm-hmm. really what what happened is we it's kind of come full circle right we i started in public schools in the states um i was in chicago um teaching over in chicago and uh i had been abroad um in my previous profession i was an adventure tour guide for a number of years living in mexico and and uh spent a lot of time living in other countries, um, throughout my twenties. And then I, you know, I, I kind of went back and got my master's in teaching and started teaching in Chicago. And I, I, I'm not, I'm a West coaster by heart. I moved out to Chicago for a girl and it, that just sort of <laughs> fell apart. And, uh, and then I was like, you know, what the hell am I doing here in Chicago? Like, I mean, sh- people in Chicago are great, but you know, it's, there's no mountains. It's, it's, <laughs> cold it's, it's cold uh, so cold uh, it, and it, i was there like one one of those winters where it was just like we're breaking every cold it's normally not like this i'm like i don't care i'm out of here but, uh, 
so I, on a whim, I was, you know, I was on, you know, I just, you know, I was like, I, I want, we broke up and I was like, I want to go abroad again. I really want to, like, I, that was such a, you know, that was living abroad and, and being abroad and learn, you know, I'd learned Spanish at this point. I already spoke Spanish and I was, it was just such a rewarding experience. And uh, so during one of my planning periods, I, I found it was the international teaching conference in Waterloo, Iowa, which is, a, a, it's actually the first spot that these conferences were held. And uh, yeah, I went to it and it really opened my eyes to this whole world of education that I wish somebody would have told me about right away when I got into education. You know, you, you, you go and I think things will change, but, you know, back, you know, in even up until last year, these conferences were a big way for, for teachers to get into international teaching. And you, you show up at these conference and it's sort of like a speed dating of, of finding a job internationally. And, you know, a bunch of directors are there and administrators or principals, and you kind of, you make contact with them beforehand and you kind of go to the different tables that are, you know, by different regions and, uh, you know, you basically see if you got a job and, you know, these jobs, um, they're, they're quite lucrative when you can really compare, um, what you get in the States with teaching and in terms of, uh, you know, give you an example. So but my first teaching position was in Cartagena, Columbia. So I, I took a job in, uh, Cartagena, Columbia and Wallace, uh, the other side of school rubric was my, my, my first roommate. And, you know, we had, you know, uh, overlooking the ocean we had this you know four bedroom apartment with literally with just windows overlooking the ocean and you know we were saving money we were traveling all over Colombia, and you know it was like one of those things where you're just like we're teachers you know? <laughs> how do we have this and then you know from there I, I i ended up i did two years there and then i i, I went to to rio de janeiro and or as they say in Brazilian or Portuguese, uh, Rio de Janeiro and, mm -hmm. uh, spent, um, seven, almost eight years in, in, wow. in Rio where, where I met my wife. And then, uh, we moved to Portugal and then from Portugal to the ATX. So that's, wow. been kind of, so it's been that now it's, you know, we did public schools and, and now it's, uh, international schools. And now we're kind of in the collegiate, both, both Wallace and I, and, uh, we're really, we're, but we really are excited about, you know, education and, and K through 12 education. And, and that's been a passion of ours. And so we stay connected through school rubric and all the great things that, you know, people like yourself are doing with the, with these educational podcasts that we have on the website, uh, stories from the classroom and, um, yeah, it's, it's really kind of fun linking those two worlds and, and hopefully inspiring some people to kind of, uh, learn from each other because there's some really cool things that international schools are doing that aren't necessarily, we're not necessarily doing up here and vice versa. And then, and then hopefully ex maybe exposing some people to the possibility of actually, you know, going abroad and, 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 and teaching somewhere else where they can, you know, you know, make, make, maybe make a little more money or save some money, um, or just live in an amazing place, uh, or learn some amazing skills, you know, whether it's, you know, I can speak Portuguese, Spanish, and that's part of the reason I got my job here at the university is, as uh, they needed somebody that did, could do both. And, uh, I'm sure the application pile was probably pretty slim. Um, 
but then you can also go to some other places that maybe aren't as aren't as cool but in, in make make some money to bank you know like right. a lot of teaching couples do that they'll go to like the middle east and mm-hmm. you know you'll hear people go there for four years and, and come back and you know live off of one person's you know their yeah. husband or wife's money and then save the rest and come back and buy a house um I- I do. I have some friends, my wife and I have some friends that are another teacher couple and they went to Dubai and they, uh, yeah, I saw pictures of where they live and I was like, holy cow. Like, yeah. I mean, there's amazing opportunities out there for people. Yeah. And, and I think just that exposure, you know, just that kind of cultural experience is, for sure. is shocking and, and can be a challenging for some people. But, uh, I, I think in the end, when you, when you look back on things, you'll, you'll never regret kind of doing something like that. And it'll be interesting to see how they do this, you know, um, moving yeah. forward, because it used to be these, like I said, these conferences that people mm-hmm. would go to and sign up that way. I know they're moving a lot of them online, which mm-hmm. I always thought to myself, like, you know, when I, even after my first two years in Columbia, I was like, when I went to, went back, cause I, I had to go, like, I was trying really hard not to go to the conferences because they'd be quite expensive plane tickets. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to pay the fee and, uh, it just seemed like such an antiquated system. So, so hopefully maybe the silver lining out of all this is like, why are we doing it this way? Like right. I have to physically go to Waterloo, Iowa, uh, <laughs> February. And then, and it's really like, it's, it's like this crazy thing. The first time I went, I was so unprepared, but it's, you get there and they, there's these like folders and like, if they're interested in you, they, they write, you know, come see us at our table. And it, when it, when they finally do open it up though, it's funny. They, they open the gate and it's like, it's like entering a concert in a way of like trying to get to the front row first. Oh, like, wow. You know, like people plotted out like they're they're like, OK, so I'm going to go to the, the Columbia table first and then I'm going to go, you know, at the, at, when I was my first year, everybody wanted to go to like Spain and Barcelona. Right. right. So like by the by, like I was like, what's going on? Like what? Like and then I kind of like I was just kind of my relaxed self walking in and then I, I was like, oh, I get it. Now there's a freaking line of like 20 people right. for for Barcelona, like, you know, pull, you know, being trying to get the first one to get the interview. Um, mm-hmm. So. But 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 good stuff and and hopefully the silver lining is that it, it'll be more done online and hopefully they can make some some ways of figuring out better fits for school too. Um, you know, one of the challenges I think with international schools is just, just the turnover rate is very high. So, right, it's not like people are sticking. I mean, if people are sticking around, you know, like when I was in Brazil, I was there at my school for five years, um, and that was they capped it. But um, okay, um, but that you know there's a lot of people that you know there's some people you see that show up in in six months there like you know there's a couple times you you know somebody leave for christmas break and you'd be like where is that where did jerry's no christmas break is done where's jerry like didn't come back (laughs) so before uh we got on was recording ben and i were actually talking about uh recently fall Q, which is a pretty decent sized conference that right. takes place at the end of October every year. Usually they have it in Napa last year that shifted to outside of Sacramento, but it's all virtual this year. And, and I presented some sessions and I took part in some of the virtual sessions and, and Ben came on and we featured the beer EDU podcast and the meet the podcaster session. And we were just kind of talking about it beforehand about how it's disappointing that we're not able to do it face to face but the model of how it's set up is just so incredible now about how you get into a session virtually. And if you don't like the session, 
you you click out of the Zoom link and you go to the next one within 30 seconds. You don't have mm-hmm. to go and you know hike across the campus of wherever school you're at for this conference to try to find it. Or you get all the way to the session and it's full. They're not letting any more people mm-hmm. in. So then you're stuck. So just the opportunity to be able to see sessions really almost instantaneously is a beautiful thing. And then Q is actually recording all the sessions and then housing them until November 30th. So people can go back and watch the sessions that they missed or re-watch one that they attended for basically the next month. And price-wise, it's less than half of what it was when it was in person. So it's an incredible deal. And I, I learned that normally it's between 1,000 and 1,200 people sign up for it. And they've got over 2,000 people signed up for this one. So what's, we were talking ahead of time about the future of in-person conferences, about how they're either going to be just absolutely huge because people are just really craving that face-to-face interaction again, or they're going to be nothing because people are going to be like, we figured out how to do this virtually, and why do we need to go face-to-face now? And how much is it going to cost people? And yeah. that's what you talked about, Ryan. Yeah, you know, uh, we 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 talk, we talk to a lot of administrators and things like uh, with school rubric. We're constantly meeting with directors mm-hmm. and and various people at all levels, and, and you hear that at the same time. You know, especially internationally, like they would be sending people yeah. to like, you know, oh, the the conference in South America is this year in Peru, and this year is here, and they're trying to send right. like twenty teachers over there and put them in hotels and right. Uh, from like a, from an, you know, like from the K through 12 perspective, like when you're trying to send people, that's a, that's a huge expense and it probably doesn't make sense. Um, And just like you, you know, I did last week, they had Adobe max, which was uh, you know, I'm a big, you know, part of what I do for my job at university of Texas. And and some of the things I do with school rubric is a lot of graphic design and and video editing and things like this. And it was all online. It was the same thing, you know, like you, you enter in one session, you're just like, kind of like, all right. I, I came here because of the title, but this isn't really what I like right. want to learn. I want to like, so I'll jump into this other session about Adobe Illustrator instead of this session about basics of Premiere Pro that uh, I already know, or, you know, you know what, I don't like the instructor or I'm not feeling it. And, or, you know, I, I found that they were running a few of these during the day when I actually had, you know, to work for the university. And uh, so I, tune in late at night and rewatch some of those older sessions. And then, and then what's cool with the, there's something really valuable. Like uh, there's one, one session that I really enjoyed um, a kind of a more efficient way of me being able to edit my videos. And, you know, like, obviously when I watched it the first time, I like that there's this called the advanced pancake for editing. And like, right. you know, I, I, I don't watch it. I probably will have to watch it a few more times right. just to actually keep, to learn how to do it so I can kind of keep go back to that like little section that I really like from that and, and keep using it for myself. So I think, I think things will change tremendously. And I think that's the silver lining. You know, I think when you talk about education and I don't know what your guys' schools are doing, but whether it's, you know, we've been talking about blended learning for how, how many oh, yeah. times. <laughs> Like, I mean, uh, and now we're forced to do it now. Now it's easy for people to get online. Like, you know, even for us as, you know, with the, with the nonprofit startup, like, you know, probably Mm -hmm. before this and we were doing that, like scheduling calls, but like to get people online was more of a, like, what, what do you mean? I got to do what the, where is it in the calendar? 
like, I mean, everybody knows how to use Hangouts, uh, Microsoft Rooms, Zoom. I mean, it, it's just it's just part of our DNA now. And so I think that's the silver lining, right? Is that hopefully, uh, you know, we can improve things in terms of uh, education and what, what people are learning. And then really when people are in a physical space, it's the focus is not on like sitting down and listening to somebody. It's, it's about collaborating. It's about right. like, taking what you've maybe learned on your own and, and, and talking about it with other people. And that's, that's what I'm really excited about when I, when I look at education is how those, you know, cause I, I don't think you can replace the, the in-person, right? Like, right. you know, like making a beer analogy, it's, you know, great to drink a beer at home, but it's, it's still nice to go out and it's, there's dozen beats, get, be, drinking a beer at like your, your local pub and having it poured for you and brought to right. your table. And, and I, and I think there's something to be said for that collaboration, those learning spaces. Well, I think, Ryan, you make a good point that I, I think now that people are used to this format and we talk about blended learning, flipped learning, it's like now I wonder if people, when they are in these face-to-face spaces, they're going to demand more of like, don't, I don't want you to just sit and talk at me. I want to have a true conversation, like sit and talk to me. Great. I'll go home and watch the zoom meeting or, or get on teams. But I do wonder about that, but I, I kind of want to go back to like, like with school rubric and your work with that. What are, I mean, you guys are, uh, you, I guess you collect all kinds of information and, and put it out for people. And I mean, it's a great, I've talked about this on previous episodes where I've like gone and like just been like skimming through. And then I'm like, holy cow, like I'm on like a rabbit hole because I'm reading this article that connects to this. Are you seeing a trend right now in terms of like, like what are you seeing in terms of what people are submitting and things like that? Well, I, I, it's a lot of, obviously a lot of things with the, the changing la- landscape and kind of just figuring out COVID. I think one of the exciting things for us was, was that, you know, obviously that link between international schools and, and U.S. schools. One thing was really fun, like when, you know, just give you an example, it's really just about the sharing of ideas and what's going on and, mm-hmm. and things are changing. But like, for example, we do a lot of professional development sessions and uh right when and we really started doing that when the pandemic hit because we were like look we've got we know people in china that they're months ahead of of where we are you know it's just people schools are just closing they're they're getting ready they're thinking about opening up schools so doesn't it make sense that we would connect these schools in china with people that are closing down here and say like what 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 did you guys learn through that experience like now that you're opening up like what, like, how are you doing it? What are, what are you planning? Like, you know, what are you doing to bus kids in and keep social distancing? How are you doing that in the schools? How are you keeping people safe? You know, so I think it's really just the sharing of these ideas that really makes it so powerful and really coming from the people that are actually doing it, right? You know, it's coming for, it's written by teachers. It's written by a director. It's written by a principal. And so you're, you're, it's, and it's, like you said, it's constantly changing. So you're, you're seeing articles about, you know, how people are, you know, we, we've got this Tommy Messenger who just started a YouTube channel and he's doing every, you know, these amazing YouTube videos. And, uh, you know, we've got articles about kind of what's the pulse of what's going on and in, in where people are, whether it's about equity and, you know, uh, racism and some of these things, how you talk about those things. And, and so, I think the power is really just by the the people that um, are, are helping to share the stories. And, and yeah, I, I think, 
like you said, we are starting to see all of these things and, and, uh, and also the stress. So you, you know, you're, you see a lot of social emotional learning sort of stuff is coming up. That's kind of like a big trending word. We've got a panel actually coming up soon about that. Um, uh, you've got, you know, mindfulness and, and it's, it, which is funny to talk about because I think we're all struggling with kind of taking a break from our screens and, and keeping care of ourselves. And, you know, like, you know, how do you, you know, how do you keep care of yourself too, when you're doing in-person learning, blended learning and virtual learning? I mean, it's like, I mean, what a nightmare to plan for. Like, I mean, you're really like planning three different things and uh, how do you do all that and still keep saying, I, I, it's not, it's, it's, and, and then, and the big thing is just being safe, right? Like we just want to mm -hmm. keep people safe. So, you know, those are a lot of the the things that I'm I'm seeing as far as articles we're posting. And, you know, it's really interesting too, is where, you know, we have a pretty robust Spanish language team and we really pride ourselves on kind of giving a voice to, uh, uh, and so we've got a big, you know, we've got a department that deals specifically with just, uh, we've got some podcasts in Espanol and um, uh, we've got original content in Spanish. And it's really fun to sort of hear kind of the themes that are coming out of there. And uh, yes, it's a, it's a really weird time, but I, you know, I think, you know, there's, there's a lot of good that can come out of these sorts of things. And I think through adversity, we do, we do, um, that's when you start to see real innovation happen. And, you know, like, and some of these things are just so obvious, you know, I think you've mentioned like, well, I don't think people are going to go to the class and just keep talking. It's like, you know, I had, uh, somebody mentioned, they're just like, a parent had said to me there, you know, Ryan, uh, it's, it's just different because now when teachers get into zoom, they just realize they can't like they're, they, they can't keep a kid's attention if they talk for more than like 10 minutes at a time. I'm like, well, they shouldn't have been doing that in a freaking classroom to begin with. Like, you know, like that's like, that's just yeah. best practice. Like, you know, you sit, sit a kid in a room that's, you know, a 12 year old for, and you you talk for 30 minutes. Like you can't tell me that he's paying attention the whole time. <laughs> Yeah. You're I mean, now competing with everything else in that kid's bedroom. Not, yeah, they're not contained. Yeah, they're not contained, but I mean, you shouldn't have been doing that. Anyhow. Right. So exactly. This is us to really sort of evaluate the way we were doing things and how we're going to move forward. And, and my biggest fear is that we would just, you know, at, at the end of all this, it just goes back to being the same, same old, same old. And uh, and you know, if you look at schools there, the, a lot of schools are really set up for this, I mean, they've invested so much in this and it's like, you see these like horrible investments of like technology and it's not really being utilized in a lot of schools. And, and so, so in the end, I, I, I think there's going to be a lot of good that comes out of it. I, you know, I hope it doesn't scare a bunch of people away from the profession though. That's one of my fears is to see that like, you know, you know, you, you hear it like where, you know, they can't get subs and, and people are sick and they can't come to school and you got four people gone and you know, what does that look like? So, you know, I think hopefully this, you know, the innovation that happens in the classroom can also make maybe some, make some bigger changes with just in the U S of how we, you know, pay teachers and, and, and kind of look at them as, um, at the profession overall and, and hopefully get some really, you know, I think one is to, to start thinking about how we can get better people into the profession. Um, yeah. So I, I, it's, it's, it's a wild time, but uh, there's a, I think there's a lot of exciting things that can happen out of this. And I attempt to try and remain positive and optimistic. And, and, and fortunately I deal with a lot of people like yourselves who are uh, very, you know, you know, you start a podcast and you're doing some very innovative things and, and really sort of, 
uh, passionate about what you're doing and really, you know, kind of looking at this as a challenge and like, Hey, I can, this is something that I actually could be a really good thing for me. I, I think at the end of this, I can really come out as a better teacher, a better person. And, um, I hope, I hope more people think that way. So Ryan, a while back, you, you and Wallace approached us to talk to us a little bit more about school rubric and the possibility of, uh, featuring our podcast with school rubric. I would love to learn a little bit more about the origin story. So we've talked a little bit, Ben and I, about what you guys are doing and how awesome it is, but I'd love to hear more about like how this whole idea started and, uh, and, and how long it took that, that whole process to where you're at now with it today. Yeah, I think, you know, when we got back here to the university and, and you know, both of us got jobs in the university, we, we really were like, you know, I look back on, you know, my life and my, my, my experiences and, and, you know, the best years of my life were living in Rio as a teacher there. I mean, I just had six, I mean, I've had a pretty good life overall, but like that, that was just such a, a life-changing experience for me. I, you know, I ended up meeting my wife, uh, my, my baby, baby was born in, in Brazil. And uh, I, I it just really connected with that culture. And I was at a great school. I had, you know, I was a pretty cake schedule when it came to teaching, you know, we, 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 I think internationally you have some more time off. So, you know, I, I teach and then coach soccer and then go surf. And, you know, that, that was like a, a pretty good life. So I, I think we came back here and re really sort of, uh, missed, missed that connection that we had with, with schools. And then, and then obviously came back and, and really wanted to make the connection between international and American and we, uh, us schools. And, you know, we started really just as like a, a blog for international educators. And, uh, and so we, you know, as that sort of expanded and we started, you know, we started like talking to friends about writing stories. And, uh, you know, we started getting interest about the stories and people saying, you know, this is really helpful. I'm, I'm learning a lot from this. So thank you. And then we kind of expanded that into our magazine, our feature publication, Interact Magazine, and, you know, utilizing some of the skills that we have on the team with a small team. I, I do a lot of graphic design sort of stuff. So we built the magazine and started putting the stories in there. And, and, and then, you know, we, we started, we all people that were in the, in, you know, that, that might be considered competitors and seeing what they're doing and, and saying, you know, we don't, you know, we can do this better or why are we doing it this way? Or, um, yeah, there's a, I, I want to do it my way. I don't, I, I don't necessarily, it's not a bad way. I just think it can be done differently and, and, and we want to do it differently. And so we started, you know, we put a lot of, uh, focus on our social media and really it's just about, you know, establishing relationships, uh, with, uh, between educators and, and, uh, sharing experiences and connecting people from diverse backgrounds so that we can all kind of in the end have a bigger impact on, on kids. I mean, that's what it's, it's really all about really is the learning and, and, uh, and, and, and through that community and through these stories, we really hope that, um, it pe people do make uh, that, that it really does have an impact on, on people and, and their practice of, of teaching. And, and even for me, who's in, you know, I, I don't necessarily do deal with K through 12 anymore, but there's so many of these things that I'm learning all the time that are best practices for what I do at the university. And uh, so, yeah, we're really excited about the growth. And like I said, 
you know, we've, we've expanded, we're now, in, we're not for profit. So this is just really, uh, about something that we're kind of passionate about and, and, uh, and we're really grateful for people like, you know, you and, and your podcast and, and what you guys are doing. And it's, it, and I'm blown away all the time. You know, like we started with, uh, I'm sure you guys know, we started with the staff room podcast. That was our very first podcast with Jay and Pop. And, uh, and now we've got, 10 we've got about we're getting ready to launch three or four more uh educational podcasts in english and we got about five in spanish that are um um so yeah and then we're, we're hyping up the videos and we're doing these sort of interviews and now we've started doing with this thing called educators without borders which is a kind of getting people together in a panel and, and discussing some important topics and um so yeah it's, and it's and for me it's fun you know it's 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 you know i still work a lot of hours in my regular job so it's lots of late nights doing right doing stuff like this which you guys are aware of you teach all yeah. day and getting on and recording a podcast or finding people to podcast or promoting the show and uh it's it's a lot of work but if you enjoy doing it it's it's uh it's fun well and i i think the the, the really great thing about school rubric at least from my perspective is is you have it's authentic voices and i mean that you're you're getting people that are not 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 that there's anything wrong with people like we we all talk about those big authors and people that have, have done a lot of educational work and those things but sometimes it's it's really good to hear from people that are like that are there living living doing the work you know, right there. So I, I applaud you guys for, for giving voice to those people. These stories, right? Like, and people are really hesitant. Like it's so funny because teachers sometimes can be the most bashful when it comes yep. to like caring to adults, right? Like yep. get, you know, put them in front of a, you know, a group of middle schoolers, like, which would petrify a lot of adults, like, and they're, <laughs> And then you put them in, you know, you'd like say like, oh, hey, well, I'm not a very good writer. Or I don't, I don't, I don't know if this is good. And right. I mean, the stories are amazing. And, 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 and what's even more amazing is what people are doing. You know, like mm -hmm. when you, when you see what people are doing and the energy and the passion that comes uh, with this profession, it's, it's really exciting. And, and that's what gets me exciting. It gets me excited just to see that passion with people and with any, any profession. Right. And, and you do see it. And, and that's typically, obviously the, a lot of the ones that are, are willing to sort of uh, do that are, are typically really passionate about what, what they're doing. Right. And so, uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's a lot of fun to connect with people from, you know, like I said, you know, Denton, Texas to, you know, Rio de Janeiro, Brazil to, you know, uh, Hong Kong, so you name it, they're just all over the place. So it's, it's, it's exciting stuff. And I think that is such, what is really cool about, about school rubric is it's not, it's not just us teachers. It's not just European teachers. It's like, you really are bringing across, um, that we have a lot more in common than we do, uh, differences in, in yeah, this profession. Again, it goes back to that, just sort of learning from each other. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, and, uh, you know, we, we recently had a conversation, uh, one of our panels had to deal with, uh, just this idea of, you know, racism and, and mm -hmm. equality and, and, and it's different everywhere, you know, like, mm -hmm. you know, here we're talking about black lives matter, but I mean, there's, uh, you know, you go to other schools, it's like, uh, it's a, it's a completely different sort of prejudice or, or racism that they're experiencing and how they deal with that, maybe with local kids or even with mm -hmm. the actual staff that are hired. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so it's, it's really valuable to sort of hear these, you know, what, what different 
people are going through and and hopefully you know i i i once had a fun little quote that i said uh when i was kind of doing this little tv show thing that i got picked to do for real where it's like you, you you when you're traveling you're you like to take you know, I, I look at it as kind of pulling the best of every culture and kind of using that to make your own culture. And, uh, and I think you can kind of do that with, with teaching, right? Like you meet different educators and you're like, Oh, that I, I, I love that. I'm going to use that. I, oh, I love this. Like, I love that little trick. I'm going to use that. Like, no, this is cool. I love and, and so I think that's, uh, that's a very powerful experience and, uh, just kind of that learning from each other and, and that's why I think people really love, you know, going to the conferences back, back, back then, you know, one of the, the first concert conferences that got canceled was South by Southwest EDU, which I was really excited. You know, we do that here in Austin. I was really excited about that because, you know, the year before I connected with a bunch of uh, people and, and in our first magazine that we did, a lot of the contributors were people that I had actually met at that conference. And it's nice to be able to have a beer with people that you're, you know, that are contributing that's true. with. <laughs> well, they, we can do, you know, we can do, you can do the zoom beer zoom. So there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. When uh, this whole thing hit, uh, Ben and I were recording episodes and then we've thrown in a few beer edu podcast, happy hours. We haven't done one in a while, but um, it was, especially one. in the beginning, I think I can't tell you how many zoom or Google meet happy hours or just meetups that I was doing. Game just, night. Yeah. Game night, everything. something mm -hmm. just, something to connect with people because you couldn't do it physically. And uh, th those have tapered off quite a bit because just life is so much different now and busy in a different way based on what's going on. But um, it, I am looking forward to the day when uh, the beers can be drank in person with one another again. Mm -hmm. And uh, we're already planning out the next time there's a face-to-face -face conference uh, going to one of the local breweries. And I did a session for fall Q. Uh, they did some like fun, uh, kind of deals, some strands this time around. And I did a beer tasting 101 webinar and we're already talking about doing a beer tasting 101 quote unquote session after conference hours are over at one of the local breweries. So I'm looking forward to being able to do something like that again. So I think there has been a little, I experienced the same thing. You know, I was at the, the silver linings when this first happened is like connecting with a bunch of those old, like, you know, all of a sudden, like my high school buddies have like the man camp hour. Like, you know, mm -hmm. like, uh, I, I was connecting with people that I had never connected with. And, you know, especially the, in the beginning, whenever there was just this need for connection. That, yeah. That, See, people kind of got burned down. They're like, they're like, really? We got to do the Zoom call for this. Really? Yeah. I got to do Zoom call for work. I don't want to do another one. Yeah, that's the problem. Uh, but yeah, I think there, when it initially happened, there was a lot of uh, yeah. craving for this sort of, mm -hmm. you know, connecting, connecting somehow because we we're all locked up and pent yeah. up. Yeah, here, here, here. I think we've, we've, we've sort of, we've, it doesn't feel like we're, I mean, we're, we're kind of working remotely and stuff. I had my daughter out yesterday and uh, here in Texas, things are pretty wide open right now. <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit like that here too. Kind of like, I think people are just over it. They're just like, you know, I'm over this. So, uh, and you know, there's a lot of arguments on either side. So it's like, right. uh, um, Gotta keep safe, but also, you know, you gotta yeah. keep <laughs> keep safe and sane. For sure. So now, Ryan, as we're kind of wrapping things up here, uh, just a couple things. Uh, one, if somebody is interested in going the international school route, uh, what's a way they can do that? And then 
what are some of like your best tips for somebody that's interested in going into it? Yeah. So, I mean, like I said, things are, things are changing. They're still doing some of these conferences that, um, uh, virtually, you know, I, I know that, uh, the kind of the big name in the industry is search associates and, uh, they've kind of got a little bit of a monopoly on, on this, uh, and you, you know, pay a fee, you sign up and, and they're, but they're, they're kind of, uh, connected with some really high, higher paying schools. So like, you know, the, they're, they're kind of thought of as, uh, the play, you know, the search schools are sort of, you're going to get a little bit more, um, you know, your housing probably going to look better. Your stipends are going to look better. So I, you know, I would check out search associates. There's, uh, ASA, there's tie online. Um, those are a number of, of places to kind of go and then, uh, scrolls, um, international and, but, but really it's about, about connecting and, 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 you know, really, sh I think, that that was I really lucked out with my first job because I just sort of had a great connection with the, the director right away at the table when we were doing the speed dating thing. But, you know, a lot of people were reaching out to schools ahead, way ahead of time, you know, find, you know, find somebody in the school, at, you know, and first of all, make sure it's a good fit. You know, you know, there's nothing there couldn't be not anything worse than going someplace and then being all the way across the globe and then find out that like this, you know, cause, and, and that's one thing that, you know, one of the things when we started school rubric and we're, we're developing kind of this, the school directory and we, we have one right now, but we're, we're, we're adding to it is to, you know, cause when you go online, every school is just sort of promoting themselves. Right. So you don't necessarily like to really understand where you're going. You, you, you need to like email some teachers. I mean, be, teachers love to talk about what they're doing and, and how, what their experience is in the place. So, you know, go onto the website, figure out some names, talk, talk to them. Hey, what does it like to teach there? Hey, is there, how could I get connected with somebody? You know, what, what do you guys uh, like, what's a day in the life there? And, and really sort of get a pulse for the, the place, the school, and then, and then just reach out and be persistent. I think that's a, a really important thing. And, uh, you want to, uh, and obviously, you know, one, one of the benefits too, is always, you know, if you use some of those channels like search and scrolls, the, you're kind of guaranteed that expat contract route, which is, um, obviously has like, you know, like when I lived in Rio, you know, I had, you know, apartment in Ipanema. I had a flight home every year. Uh, I had a certain amount, you know, a certain amount of money for professional development. So those were all little things. And plus I, I had already been to Brazil before and I was like, this place is awesome. And so I was like, that I was like, I wanted to go there. Um, but you know, on the flip side is when I went to Portugal, I, I, I wasn't that happy to be honest. I, I got myself into a, a school where, um, maybe some of the things that I, that were promised didn't, weren't the reality. And, uh, you know, like just to give you an example is, you know, when I went to, to Lisbon, we got a housing stipend and, you know, it, Portugal has insane taxes. I mean, you can imagine a European, I mean, it's in, like 40% of your paycheck, boom, gone. And, you know, I got, we get the housing stipend and I, I didn't think I had no idea that that was going to be taxed. So like, I'm thinking I'm getting this chunk of money to pay for my apartment. And, uh, it's, you know, 60% of what, what I thought I was getting. So like, you know, like little things like that kind of can really have an impact. And then I got there and, and, 
you know, I was hired for one thing and, and, you know, when you're the new guy in a school, you, it's, it's hard to say no to things, but like, they're like, Oh, you're okay. You're the middle school IB eighth and ninth grader, but you know what? We need somebody that's going to, you speak Spanish. So we need somebody to do the eighth grade Spanish. Um, Oh, Hey, this teacher left. So we're also going to have you do the 10th, uh, IB language acquisition and, and, and the, the 11th grade. And, you know, before I know it, it's like, I got, you know, five freaking preps and, and, uh, I'm not making the money I thought I was going to be making and uh, their IB, which is sort of, sort of high stakes sort of stuff. So, um, yeah, that really took a toll. And, and that was part of my motivation to get out of it really to, to start looking someplace else was, was that. And I, I've, and so I, and that was partially my fault. And I think I could have done a better job of, but I was, you know, I was Rio, the economy kind of collapsed there and, and we were just getting ready to have a baby. And so we were like, uh, you know, the European dream, baby, you know, Portugal is in Portugal, is just beautiful country. I mean, and we're like, Oh, we speak Portuguese. And so we can slide right in and, uh, and God, Portuguese is so different there, but, um, the port Lisbon's just, you know, it's relatively cheap, uh, if you're making dollars and not getting a 40% tax. So my recommendation would be to really look where you look where you want to go. Um, uh, and, and, and look at the schools that you want to go to and contact the people at the schools and really, uh, just start asking questions. You know, what is it, you know, how, how is the principal? How is the school? How are the kids? All, all those sorts of things that, you know, I think are kind of what, if you go to, you know, speak to like a career coach, they would tell you to do anyhow, right? Like, can, you know, if you're thinking about changing careers, like one of the first things they tell you to do is to, to just start finding people in that profession and start asking questions. Don't ask for a job. Just ask like, how did you get into this? Why do you like doing this? And, and so that's, that would be my advice. And, and to, you also have to be open because, you know, your, your first, you know, there's certain places. So the international market is kind of, everybody wants to go certain places, right? So you have to kind of be willing to put a little bit of work in, in the right. trenches, um, before you can, like, you know, like you know, Rio was, uh, people wanted, I mean, people want to go to Rio, right? Like people want to go like, so you, maybe your first two years, you, you, um, you think about some place that's maybe, you know, especially if you're a younger teacher and just getting into the game, just, you know, do two years in like to, to Goosey Alba, Honduras, right. Where there's not as many people may be interested be like if obviously shoot for the stars, but you might have to kind of go someplace first. And then once you get those first two years, that's really important for international edge edu- teachers and, or, uh, pe- people that are hiring internationally because they see that you were able to stick it out. So they're like, oh, this guy wasn't a one. Like, and that's suicide. Like most international contracts are two years. Suicide is if you break in, in the international wow. teaching for your career is if they see that you only did like a one-year stint, they're going to be like, because they know most contracts are two years because there's so much work that goes into bringing right. the person there. It's not, it's, it's not a economically sound to sort of let right. somebody like sh- show up for a year. We paid all this money to get you down here, visa, da, 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 da. And then- right boom, you're gone. And then we got to train somebody else. So that would be my advice. Cool. Well, then I guess I won't put in for Nice, France. (laughs) That's where I wanted to go. (laughs) South of France. (laughs) You know, like I said, you never know. know. Sometimes it's the fit too, right? Like, I mean, like when I, when we were doing it, like it was, you know, there's sometimes they, they just have a need to fill. Right. And, uh, 
I also know that it helps a lot of places. It helps if you're a teaching couple. So yeah. So my wife and I, this is our, that's our, that's our retirement plan. We both we're we're close. So that's going to, that's what we were like. We could just go and teach there for a couple of years. And you know why it's not just because they can kind of all of a sudden it's the, they really feel that like you've got somebody to lean on. So when when things are rough, you know, worst case scenario, you've got, you've got your partner with you. right? Right. So that makes sense. Yeah. I would recommend it, man. You know, I, I tell it's never too late. I mean, there was, you know, I, I taught with guys that were, you know, divorcees that were, you know, 55 and their first time going international. I, I met teaching couples that like the empty nester were just mm-hmm. like, you know, uh, kids left the house. They, they're no longer, you know, so they were, we'll go to Morocco. We always wanted to mm-hmm. go to Morocco and, um, it's, it's so rewarding and, uh, well, teaching so rewarding and, and, and sure. kind of throwing in the cultural experience into the mix is, is fun. And, and, you know, a lot of these international schools are, are, are international communities mm-hmm. too. So you're, you know, like in Rio, it's like Norwegian kids and for the oil are there and you got the Venezuelans. And so you really have this cool mix of, of, of kids in these schools. Awesome. So Ryan, where can listeners connect with you online? Uh, just schoolrubric.com. Uh, reach out to, if you have any, uh, oh, obviously we've got Twitter. So you, Ryan Sagar um, on Twitter and at Ryan Sagar on anything. Um, but at school rubric would be probably the best way to kind of contact. Uh, we're always looking for stories. We've got, like I said, we're, we're um, uh, with podcasts, we're willing to share, um, if you've got an idea about a video you want to do, we're always looking for creative, innovative ideas and uh, excited to share those. So check us out at schoolrubric.com. You can email us at uh, info at schoolrubric.com. Um, uh, yeah, Ryan at schoolrubric.com. Uh, yeah, we'd love to connect. We're, we're all about um, connecting with teachers. So, so please look me up, find me on Twitter, reach out, send me a message that way. But uh we're available. We're, we're, we're all ears for, for what, what, what amazing teachers are doing and educators are doing. Great. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Ryan. It was a Thanks, pleasure Ryan. to learn your story a little bit and hear a little bit more about that origin of school rubric as well. Yeah, my pleasure. Uh, and obviously we'll be in touch cause I, I get to see all your episodes coming down. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Yeah, we'll be we'll be promoting you guys like crazy and uh, continue to listen to y'all and keep doing what you're doing. We're, we're and and we, I look forward to when we uh, can get a beer together. Perfect. Well, listeners, keep this conversation going. Share some of your thoughts on today's topics. Email us at info at beeredupodcast.com. Tweet us at beeredupod with hashtag beeredupod. Hit us up on Facebook at beeredupodcast. That's all one word. Follow us on Instagram, Beer EDU Pod. Subscribe to our YouTube channel at bit.ly slash Beer EDU YouTube. We do stream these live occasionally, like we're doing with this episode. Yep. And then again, make sure you're following Ryan on Twitter at Ryan Sagar. And then voice message using the Anchor app. We'll feature that on the episode if you uh, send us one. And then a review wherever you're listening would be great so more can find the podcast. And Ben, if people want to be on the show with us, what do they do? Yeah. So if you want to be on our show, if you want to be a guest, you want to talk about what you're passionate about in education, please visit our website, www.beeredupodcast.com. Click on that contact and subscription info link. There's a short form. You fill it out. 
we'll be in touch. And, and yeah, we just love to have you on the show and, and hear what you're passionate about. And uh, this is, uh, this is kind of Ryan, thank you so much for being on the show. And I think Kyle, this, this kind of leads us into our, our next part where uh, we're going to do a little learn about Ryan. So if you can hang out for a little bit and uh, Kyle's got a very interesting one. <laughs> Yeah, this one, um, I came across this a while back. I went to a Buffalo Wild Wings and I wanted something non-alcoholic. And this, Ben, I think this was when you were on your non-alcoholic beer kick. I think we had this discussion before. Yeah. And I was looking through the menu and the only things that were on Buffalo Wild Wings menu that was non-alcoholic beer wise was they had Heineken Zero, which I'd had before. And it's actually, I think it's actually better than regular Heineken to tell you the truth. But uh, we won't go too deep into that. (laughs) Well, then the other thing that was on there was it was called Lagunitas Hoppy Refresher. And I looked at that. It was under the non-alcoholic beer. So I thought, oh, Lagunitas is making a non-alcoholic beer now. So let me get that. Well, it turned out it wasn't beer. It was actually hop water. Yeah. So I'm imagining bubbly water. Is really what I'm thinking about. And that's essentially what it was. This is something that it's relatively new. It Hop water, it's carbonated water, like bubbly or LaCroix. But instead okay. of like fruit flavors, it's hops. There's okay. no alcohol. It's not like a, you know, like, hard seltzer or something like it. Because obviously there's no alcohol. And it. it is literally like carbonated seltzer water. But instead of fruit flavoring, it is hops that they use for the flavor. So, uh, so zero calories. There's no sugar added. It's literally only carbonated water and either they will dry hop the water or they'll use hop oils for the flavoring. And the reason this became a thing was because brewers, they created it as an alternative to beer. They wanted to drink on the job, but then they would, okay. you know, get hammered or they would get lethargic and not get their job done because they were drinking too much or whatever. So brewmasters started putting together this hop water as a way to have a drink that tasted kind of like beer, but it wasn't going to get in the way of them being able to do their, do their jobs and do their jobs safely, which, you know, you don't, you really don't want your forklift operator hauling around pallets of beer after drinking like, you know, 9% IPAs all day or something like that. So for the most part, now this Lagunitas one, it was clear and it came in like a hurricane glass on ice and everything. And I was really weirded out at first, but then I drank it. I'm like, okay, this is actually pretty good. So most of them are just going to be like clear water and okay. have that hot flavor to it. But some, some of them will add caramel color to make it look more like a beer, which mm-hmm. to me, that, that to me would be even weirder yeah, uh, than just the clear ones. So um, it's a lot easier to produce than a non-alcoholic beer because in order to make non-alcoholic beer, you have to remove the alcohol. Right. So right. it's more water, more electricity to remove that alcohol. And then you still got even like the lowest of low cal non-elk beers are like anywhere from 50 to 80 calories a bottle. Yeah. Whereas this is zero calories. And then this one's cool. I need to find a place doing this. Bartenders are starting to take hop water and then mixing it to make beer hop water cocktails. So like, you know, like vodka or rum or other mixers using hop water as the base. So, but it's interesting because again, they they're using hops, whether it's dry hop or hop oil, they're using a variety of hops to get the different flavors, much like you would with regular beers where you have some that are citrusy, you have some that are pine like earthy. So different companies are doing that with their hop water. So I did have a hard time finding examples of this. The only one I've had is the Lagunitas Hoppy Refresher one 
There's a company called H2OPS that makes one. Yeah. And then there's another one called Hop WTR. So Hop Water that makes it. I, I've seen one and I've seen it in cans at Whole Foods. That's the only place I've ever seen it. And I think you're going to have to find it at a specialty store like a Whole Foods or right. or maybe a Trader Joe's or something yeah. like that for right now, because it is definitely a very niche thing. Uh, okay. So I, I had it at Buffalo Wild Wings, I'm sure. I think when I did a little search for it, it yeah, I could get it at some of the big box liquor stores right. or something like that. But in all honesty, I think it's a great alternative to those things like LaCroix or Bubbly. I, 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 I'm going to go try it. I mean, I will admit when you first described it, hop water, the first thing I thought was bong water. And I, I just, I'm not drinking that. I'm just saying. <laughs> I, I won't get into that, that accidentally that may have happened at some point, but we'll just. Yeah. So back in your skateboarding <laughs> and punk rock days, I'm assuming. I don't know anything so. about that. I deny yeah. all that. <laughs> so anyway, but yeah, I just think it'd be interesting to, cause I actually, I enjoy LaCroix or a bubbly every now yeah, and then, but I uh I think it'd be interesting to be able to bust out a can of uh, Lagunitas and drink it at work and nothing can happen to you because it's not beer. (laughs) Well, the packaging for these things also doesn't look very beard-like. They're they're, they're very sort of almost, um, like like you said, like refreshing sort of like cans, the sort of uh, almost uh, what's the the white cloth sort of looking style, right? Right. Fruity-esque. Right. uh, Yeah, I've, I've... had one myself, but they, they okay. look. Thing. Yeah. The, now the, uh, the Lagunitas one does come in one of those squat bottles like yeah. uh, Lagunitas uses, although it's clear instead of Brown. And then, you know, you just, you recognize the very iconic Lagunitas fonts on the bottle and everything. So, I mean, at first glance at that, you're like, Oh, it's beer, but no. And then you're like, wait, no, it's clear. So it's not beer. So, right. but um, I know I definitely want to try to find some more of these because it, it, it was definitely good. <laughs> I'm going to go look for it this weekend. So keep me posted on what you find, you know, talking about non-alcoholic. So I just, I'd like to hear what your guys' go-to non-alcoholic is. Uh, If if you had to pick a a non-alcoholic, I'm always curious, you know, cause like I tried the Heineken zero. My wife loves Heineken, by the way. So like to say like, Oh, it's like, that's like blasphemy. Uh, (laughs) I'm not a fan of Heineken. So to me, the I Heineken tried- Zero to me, it, it it I don't know. It just I felt that it was it tasted better. But I would say my favorite one, and I don't have a lot of experience with non-alcoholic beers. But my favorite one would probably be St. Pauli Girl because I really yeah. like that German uh, lager taste, and well, it still tastes like an actual beer with that St. Pauli NA. Uh, yeah, Klossner does one. We've talked about this one. I just got one the other day from Brooklyn Brewing out of New York. That's pretty good. So. It's it's hard because there's not a lot to choose from, right? Like no. I, I got in a kick for a little while where I was like, I'm not going to drink any beer. And so I was doing the Bex, which I thought was right. pretty, has their like, mm-hmm. which is a, yeah. a non, non-A. But uh, obviously Odul's I think is the biggest name with non-A, but I'm not, a, right. uh, not very good. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'm with you. There's, it, it's almost like, it, so I equate it to like when you eat, like that's why I've never had the Beyond Meat or whatever. I'm like, I don't want it to try to be meat. I just, like if I'm going to eat tofu, I know it's tofu. I don't want it to try to be a hamburger. <laughs> I don't want my beer to try to be a beer. I just want it to be different, I guess. Yes. Just wanted that, to, them to try something that makes something that tastes good, right? Yes, like, exactly. That's why I'm interested in this. 
Yeah. So yeah, check it out. Um, if you can find it and listeners, you find it somewhere, let us know yeah. what you think because, uh, and what brands you're finding. Cause I would love to learn yes. more about these. Yeah, definitely. Use that beery to you hashtag and we, we, we'd love to know what they are. Yeah. So, well, Ben, that wraps up 88. Yep. Yeah, that was that is episode 88. Ryan, thank you so much for being on. Thank you for all your amazing work you're doing with School Rubric. It was it was great to hear your story. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Have a great rest of the week. All right, and listeners, like always, until next time, may the malts and the hops be with you. Right on. Right on.